Hi, everyone, and welcome to Campground Confidential, a podcast about starting, running, and growing your campground business. I'm Stephanie Puglisi. On each podcast episode, we'll talk to campground owners and other experts in the outdoor hospitality industry. We'll hear stories about what it's really like to own a campground, the good, the bad, and the ugly. From Park Vendor Review, this is Campground Confidential. My guest today on Campground Confidential is Catherine Berta, owner, along with her husband, Alan, of the Brattleboro North KOA Journey. This is a gem of a campground that my family has visited quite a few times over the last decade. Kat and Alan purchased the property in 2019 while she was still in her late 20s. She takes a fresh approach to earned media placements, including being interviewed by Reader's Digest about camping mistakes she witnesses at her own campground and giving advice to new campers about ways to avoid these faux pas. Kat also feels strongly about providing an amazing customer experience, offering concierge-like services to her guests. And we'll talk about that more later in the show. Welcome to Campground Confidential, Kat. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm really excited to chat with you today. I'm very excited to chat with you. Like I told you before, you have big fans in this house. (laughs) We've been camping at this campground that you own for more than a decade um, prior to you owning it. So it's just so exciting for us to watch this story and to see the campground being taken over by somebody um, who's just so excited about the future of camping. So I think we're going to have a great talk today and I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. (laughs) All right, let's dive in, right? So we're going to dive right into what we're calling here at Campground Confidential, the nitty gritty, right? At campgrounds, there's always such a wide range, right? Who your audience is, who you're servicing. Tell us just what we need to know about your campground to make everything else we're going to talk about make sense. For sure. So um, when we bought our campground, it was already existing. Uh, It was built in 1972. So we're actually on our, um, we're in the 50 years, uh, about 52 years in regards to our park, which is pretty amazing. And we have a whole assortment of sites. We are a smaller park. So we have 51 sites in total right now. And that breaks out to be like 40 RV sites eight accommodations, and three tent sites. And that's our little park, seven and a quarter acres, and that's it. (laughs) Now, when you say accommodations, cabins, or something else? Yeah, so uh, we have a log cabin, which is kind of our more rustic accommodation. Then we move into our cottages, which have actually been there since before the campground. So we have been working on renovating these by adding heating and air conditioning, mini splits, adding, you know, state-of-the-art Wi-Fi, TV, everything like that that people would want at home to have while they were camping. Um, And these have been around the campground since the late 30s, which is pretty amazing. And then we also have our kind of newer state-of-the-art accommodations by Canterbury. You probably have seen these at every single KOA, um, and they have Mm -hmm. all the bells and whistles that you need in them. 
Yeah. So, and very comfortable to stay in, by the way, especially from a bigger family's perspective, you know, compared to a lot of different accommodations that are out there. Um, So you are designated within the KOA branding system as a journey. Some of our listeners may not understand that branding. Do you want to talk a little bit about just what that means and who your average, you know, who your guests are? What's your demographic? For sure. So the nice thing about the K-Way branding is it really helps the customers understand what to expect when they get to a K-Way. So us being a journey means we're going to have a lot of pull-through sites. We're going to be very close to the highways and byways of America. So we're right on Route 5, but still a quiet park. Uh, We are three Mm -hmm. miles from 91, so major interstate right there. Holidays will have a little bit more amenities, you know, so they might have, um, you know, a splash pad or something more intricate to offer on their park. And then a resort is exactly what it sounds like. It has, it should have everything that you need to have a great vacation there from a cafe to, you know, a great huge resort like pool, everything that you can imagine for your vacation will be at a resort. And what Um, kind of amenities do you have? Yeah. So at our park, we have a little bit of everything. We have a nice big dog park because we have two Australian shepherds. So one of the first things we did when we bought our park was expand the dog park. Um, And we have a nice size swimming pool, 50,000 gallons, uh, which is oversized for a park, which we love. Uh, We also offer a nice arcade and um, laundry, which every KOA has, and then beautifully newly renovated bathhouse, of course. Um, And with our uh, KOA, the nice thing for us is we have very large pull-through sites. Like people love how much grass they get on our site. And that's something we have as campers ourselves, we wanted to make sure to keep at our park. Now, I don't mean to catch you up in this question, but can people stay, can some people, depending on the size of their rigs, stay connected, hooked up in a pull-through, in some of your pull-through sites? Yes. As someone who used to do motorhome towing, that was really (laughs) important to us. So we tell people all the time, I'm like, make sure you let us know if you're towing, especially if you're just one night, because you're probably not going to want to disconnect. And we do have sites that can accommodate that, even with like these new 40, 45 foot motorhomes and they're towing a car. We still have the ability to keep these guys connected. And being a journey, we're mostly a transient park. So we see a lot of one-nighters, two-nighters, especially people on their way to beautiful Acadia, Maine, um, or, you know, to the White Mountains. We're the designated stop on like everyone's route. Okay. We definitely stopped at that campground on the way to both of those places in the See? Past. Exactly. <laughs> and that's so you really know your customer. You yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Now we, and I think that there's enough in the area to, we always actually stayed more than just one night because there really is, it's just a beautiful area of Vermont and there's so much in that area to explore. So you can definitely stay longer and have a lot of fun in that area, but for sure it's nice and convenient off of that 91 that you're taking straight up north. Yeah. And I agree. Our, if you look at our statistics, we actually 
have a longer guest stay than the average journey. Um, Mm -hmm. So we are closer to a three night stay at our park. And that's definitely because, and it's really on people returning. They would have maybe done the one night on their way to Maine or New Hampshire. And then they were like, whoa, there is way more to see and do here than I thought. So on their return trip, they end up extending a little bit longer because they really want to enjoy our little part of Vermont. Yes, that retracts with all of our experiences. Okay, so like I said, (laughs) we were visiting this campground before you owned it um, because we've been going there, I think now, gosh, I think the first visit was probably like 12 years ago or so. It was a while ago. And um, so tell us how you became a campground owner, but more specifically, how you became the owner of the Brattleboro North KOA Journey. Yeah. So, I mean, really what it all stems back to is we used to be seasonal campers at an RV park in New Hampshire. And those owners were really good friends, family friends of my husband's family. And they were joking. They're like, oh man, we're getting ready to retire. Would you want to buy our park? It wasn't quite the right time for us. You know, we were kind of growing our corporate careers at the time and in a really good spot there. And, you know, joked, laughed it off. And then I think about three years later, Alan and I were like, what about owning a campground? Like, is that something maybe we would want to do? We knew we wanted to start our own business and we were already on the hunt. And that's kind of when we started seriously looking. And that was about mid, uh, maybe 2016 at the time. And we worked with a broker initially, and we also checked the um, K-Way listings because they weren't working with brokers at the time. They were just privately listing them. And we looked all over New England. That was important to us. Most of our families in the Northeast, so we wanted to stay here. None of the campgrounds that the broker brought us were quite right. Um, But we found two KOAs that were for sale that we really liked. And when we came to Brattleboro, it kind of was perfect. You know, it was a strong business already. We saw some potential. Um, It was, you know, turnkey enough where we didn't feel like we would have to jump mm-hmm. right in right away. Uh, we could operate it as is, which was really important to us, just so we could get our feet wet without any chaos. And, um, you know, when everything aligns and we had enough money, we gave, gave our offer. And after about eight months, we closed on March 4th of 2019. Oh, that's a okay. So it was about three years from the time you all had the maybe we should buy a campground to when you closed on it. Yeah, I mean, you have to find the right park. You know, um, every campground is completely different, and it's even within the KOA franchise system, each KOA is unique, and KOA is starting to really uh, bolster that uniqueness. They want each campground to be unique. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there are some things they want cookie cutter, obviously, they want um, RV sites to have, you know, a certain angle when you pull into them, for example. So they set those standards for us. 
but they also are encouraging KOAs to provide unique experiences for their guests. So, um, you know, it's just, you it's have like to character, find the right? right? Like, yeah, adding character to your campground. So, those standards are really at the service of the customer and seeing, like, this is what a guest really needs to be happy. Like, that right angle, I'm telling you, I never will forget pulling into a, one of the newer developed resorts here on the East Coast a few years ago. This is now, you know, when resorts were like new back in maybe right. 2016 yeah. or something. And this was a um, real estate development group that this was the first campground that they had built themselves. And guess what? The angles were wrong. And I was like, the people that built this campground didn't know that this was going to be a mess because it was a kind of campground that, you know, attracted the huge fifth wheels and the big trucks mm-hmm. and it couldn't, you couldn't get in without telling people across the way that they had to move so Uh, that you could get out. Or it was just, I was like, this is going to be a nightmare for them for years to come. So having those standards is, I mean, like the amount of stress it takes out, you know, away from your guests is really worth it (laughs) to me. hundred percent. I agree. And, uh, you know, we've camped in like I mentioned, motorhome towing, we're in a travel trailer now. And it really does make a difference that that first impression you get besides the entrance of your park is the RV site. And it's really important to have all of those looking great, the right angles, you know, there are things that people are looking for. And the nice thing about Kayway is they know. So they're telling yeah. us. Now, Kat, tell me, you know, so you were campers. Um, not everybody is before they, you know, buy a campground. You know, what did you think the experience was going to be like? And did it play out that way? Or, you know, did you really go through a period of time where you're like, this isn't at all what I thought it was going to be? You know, what kind of like things were really different than you thought? I will say because we were family friends with owners, they kind of really helped set the expectation for us, right? Like we knew that it was going to be pretty chaotic. They told us that, you know, you just got to jump in. It's going to be baptism by fire your first year. That's just how it is. Um, there, It's just so different being the owner operator versus the customer. It's just a completely different experience. And it there, I think what happened to us really was, you know, after, you know, starting our park up, Kway's great. They offer you a business development consultant to really help you through that beginning stages. But there's nothing like when you're on your own and just operating your park and kind of dealing with, you know, maybe a grumpy guest that's been on the road for 12 hours, that kind of stuff for the very first time is a little intimidating. And it's your job, right? Like now there's nowhere to hide. (laughs) Nowhere to hide. I'm the boss now. I, when someone goes, I want to talk to Amanda, that's me. (laughs) There. And maybe they're saying that to my face, you know what I mean? Um, And yeah, so it was, uh, the first year was exhausting. It was a lot more exhausting than I thought. I, you know, 
people tell me all the time, oh my God, this job, you, you know, you make it look so easy. I'm like, well, then I'm doing my job right. If it looks like an easy going job, like that's what I want for my guests. I want them to not be stressed. So I'm doing all the hard work, right? That's really what it comes down to. And um, our first year, I mean, our leach field failed. Now we're in Vermont, we're not near a city. So we are not mm. on town. We are all well and you know, our own septic system is all in-house pretty much. And luckily for us, though, you know, we had negotiated in our contract with the previous owners that we knew there was something kind of funky going on. Um, and we had engineers look at it and they, you know, they said, oh, there's a small engineer fix that that we can do and it'll be fine for at least 10 years. Well, it that did not work. But we had money in escrow put aside and it worked out for us. We sucked all that money out of escrow, rebuilt a brand. Well, we didn't rebuild. We built a brand new leach field with our engineering team. And it worked out because it was like we paid for 50%. They paid for 50%. And so it was kind of like no bad blood. It worked out in the end. Um, but yeah, like no doing that kind of homework and, you know, maybe having that money in escrow just in case something, some things happen in year one that are, could be really detrimental to your business. I mean, it, that was one of the best things that we did is that escrow account uh, between us and the owners. Previous could have been a very different story, right? <laughs> yes, very different. <laughs> right. Now, tell me two things that you mentioned just stood out to me. Like you said you worked with a broker. Is it something that you feel like you would recommend to other people? Did it help you learn things even if you didn't end up, you know, going with a property that your broker found? Oh, for sure. Because they have a lot of insight, right? They um, mm -hmm. have a really good understanding typically of the area. And if you know, they're going to be able to reach out to people that you wouldn't know to reach out to. So it was a really good first experience for us. And, you know, if she was listing these KOAs, we would have gone mm -hmm. with her. It's just at the time it, they happened to be private through KOA. Um, but yeah, she provided us a lot of, you know, financial insight too, in regards to laying like, okay, this is kind of what we'd recommend if this is how much money you are able to have on hand. Um, so she, she was really great in providing some of that guidance and it helped us like kind of not dream too big, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. Kept you, yeah. kept you focused right on that. Yes. That's the scene with the realtor, right? Like, okay, here's your pros and cons. This doesn't match up. Why are we looking at this house? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You now, know, there's um, uh, listings that are resorts and we were like, oh, right. wow, that looks really cool. And she's like, oh, that's like a more of a investment partnership that's like not necessarily right <laughs> I like it all right now you also yeah. mentioned that you know you are in a different RV now you have a travel shop now I happen to know that you've been on an extended camping trip that you're still you know camping a lot so apparently owning a campground hasn't completely burned you out on RVing <laughs> but also just tell me you know how this fits into your business right like how does this help you or does it not? Do you just turn that business side off while you're on your extended winter camping trips? Oh, no, it's excellent. We see it as an R&D 
opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, like we purposely go to state parks, national parks, privately owned campgrounds, other KOAs, um, you know, maybe we're checking out the competition like Sun or Jellystone or something like that to help us really understand what the full picture is without us doing these experiences, camping with other people, meeting other owners, uh, which is always fun, meeting managers, seeing what they're experiencing. It kind of allows us to make our park better. We have taken a lot from our trips to other campgrounds and we're actually implementing some stuff. So, you know, for example, we were at a state park and we really liked how they laid out um, their sites. Um, For example, we're kind of looking to extend our gravel a little bit and kind of give people um, an area for their rugs. We're kind of Mm -hmm. realizing now that, you know, we used to be the anti-rug campground. We're like, don't put your rug on my grass. My grass is so beautiful. And I work so hard to make it lush and green for you. Why are you trying to kill it and stifle it? Um, And so we've seen at a lot of state parks, they kind of do a little gravel bump out. And that's actually something we're going to be implementing because we really like that. And people want to put their rugs out and right. Right. So solve the problem. Don't fight the problem. Solve the problem. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Good. So now we're going to dive into talking about some of the trends that, you know, we're hearing reported out there in the news. And I want to hear from you what aligns. So this is trend talk, right? For a couple minutes here. Tell me, what do you hear, oh, about multi-generational camping, season extending, electric vehicles, um, any of those things that we just hear highly reported, solar, you know, the solar event. Um, mm. What are you seeing actually occur at your campground? What things are lining up or not lining up with those trends that are being reported? Yeah. So for us, EV is just really starting. Um KOA is doing a really big initiative with EV, and we actually put our first EV level two charger in, which we're really excited about. We started seeing an increase in cabin campers with EVs. So we're not necessarily seeing, you know, we would see one or two Teslas being towed on a flatbed behind a motorhome every now and then, but we are starting to see it become more consistent with our cabin renters and our cottages accommodations in general even some tenters you know um they're coming in with their teslas or something like that and they are looking for a place to charge overnight and so for tesla it wasn't too bad we are pretty close to some superchargers which is great uh but for kind of everybody else there wasn't really a great option and so we decided to it was time for that upgrade so that our guests could kind of have that full experience without having to leave our campgrounds. Um, But were you experiencing them trying to charge at sites? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So that was another reason why we put the charger in. Unfortunately, campgrounds, the way that their electrical is set up, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily good to have that continuous charging. It isn't good for our system. It's not it could be bad potentially for the EV as well. And so just having that designated spot that had a direct home run electrically, like so right. that we didn't have to worry about them getting all the charge they needed is, was 
peace of mind for us and I feel like our customer as well. And it's actually worked out for us because we've had people find us through like, where can I EV charge, you know, and then like plug share or whatever you're, you're popping up in that. Cool. Yeah. That's really the people that are looking at both of their apps, right. Their camping apps and their charging apps and seeing where these stars will align for them. Exactly. And you know, it's, it's worked out. Like I mentioned, like, you know, people are on the road and then they're like, I need a place to crash for the night. Oh, they have cabins. Oh, there's an EV charger. Perfect. All right. So be proactive, campground owners, right? The EV, it, it's not a, a, a just a craze, right? It's going yeah. to impact your bottom line as a campground or your infrastructure, as Katja yes. mentioned. So, you know, waiting for the problem to develop more is probably not your best strategy. So now we're going to dive into our master class with Kat. So I really try to get each campground owner to think about something that they're really proud of, that they do exceptionally or that they think really makes their campground um, shine, right? Amongst the thousands of campgrounds that are out there. Um, So Kat, what are you a superstar at as a campground owner? So the one thing that my guests love when they come to visit our park are these one day trips that I have kind of custom planned to have them have like the fullest experience in regards to what they might be interested in. So it's kind of like an an easy concierge service. Um, my front desk staff whether they have lived in Vermont before or it's their first time ever in Vermont can help guide our guests with these like one pagers that I've put together for them. So for example, you know, one of the things Vermont is famous for are covered bridges. Mm -hmm. And so I have a one pager where they could literally take a day trip and see 10 different covered bridges. They have a place to eat that is recommended. They have, you know, photo locations that are recommended. And if they want to cap off the night with a nice dinner, there's a recommendation for that as well. All on this one sheet that they can take with them with a little bit of history on each place as well. So I try to give them kind of like a full tour guide experience without me being there. Or, you know, something like our favorite towns, like what to see in each town that's nearby, that that kind of um, experience has been really good for our guests. People have come back time and time again to be like, hey, what new day trip can I do this year? Or have you gone to any place new? Do you have a new day trip for me? So that's something that's been really great with our customers um, and has actually, even though like, you know, Vermont's a small place, it has uh, created that return business, which is really good for us. I think there's a couple of really smart things about this. Uh, First of all, you know, a lot of areas, um, you know, the, the top five touristy things are really obvious and really easy to get to, but the hidden gems are not so much, right? And I think that your area of the country, Vermont, is especially chock full of those hidden gems. Like, we've had to go there for years to find our favorite, like, swimming holes or waterfalls yeah, exactly. or yeah. things like that. So, like, this is just really on point for the kind of exploration that a lot of RVers or campers like to do. So, I think that's great. But I think most importantly, this is scalable. Like 
this does not require someone, a busy person at the counter going through, right? All of these Mm -hmm. things, which is what happened. Camp stores can be like really difficult places to get simple bits of information, right? Because like you just want to ask a question to somebody about where that covered bridge is. And instead, you know, there's five people checking in, there's somebody Mm -hmm. buying milk, you know what I mean? And you can't get that time. And, And I, that's hard for your, you know, camp hosts to be like helping people plan trips. So this is scalable. Like you can have this printed out and people can access it without having a ton of one-on-one time with your workers. And the one thing too, that we've also done is, you know, we started um, putting them on our uh, blog. So people can kind of do this ahead of time and see, oh, like, am I going to be interested in two nights or four nights? Like, is there that much for me to do there? And putting these uh, one pagers on our blog has really helped a lot of people. People have feel like I I would ask sometimes I'd be like, oh, how did you hear about that? Because maybe I didn't talk to them about what their plan should be for the day. They're like, oh, Mm -hmm. I, I saw it on your blog. So we decided to do that day trip. And I'm like, So it's worked out really well for us. Well, and I'm going to tell you another thing I think is really smart about this is that you're probably helping out your SEO by doing this. Oh, for sure. Right? Yes. Because you're Mm -hmm. posting these blogs with uh, places to visit and things to do in the area. And then if you're showing up then in search, when people are searching for the area, they're reading about something to do. And then they're like, oh, and look at this cute place. I can stay yeah. there. So it's just good for SEO. Our, yeah, we always have our boilerplate at the bottom of the blog post and everything like that. So at the end, when they're done reading, it always talks about the park, that we have RV sites, cabins, tent sites, so something for everybody. Incredibly smart. I will link to some of those blog posts over on parkvendorreview.com in the show notes for this episode so that people can go and see what you're doing and maybe think about replicating it. I'm telling you, we, you know, we are, we're really good about saying to owners ourselves, we have no shame. We'll be like, what are the best things to do around here? And I'm telling you, I can talk about, I don't know if you've been to the Lincoln KOA in New Hampshire. Um, such a sweet campground. Those owners too, they are just locals, know all the areas. We found so much incredible local stuff that I don't think that we would have found. But we had to go to them and be like, so where are the secret spots? You know? Yeah, Yeah. you want to be, and that's part of the charm of traveling, right? Is you want to be like a local. That's, that that's the experience that you're looking for. I mean, you know, I might sit down in a restaurant and have a conversation with my waiter and be like, where do you go for coffee in the morning? Like, that's where I want to go. I don't want to go to a big chain or something like that. I could do that any time of the week. Yeah. And then I'm going to put in one line. Look, look, I'm like, this is so smart. So I'm going to say another thing is this is on trend for younger travelers, right? We're talking about the age of traveling coming down. Um, You know, Gen Z in particular is incredibly concerned with experiences. They want to have something unique, something different. And if you can tell them why staying at your place and exploring your area is unique and different, Gen Z is going to be there. They do not want cookie cutter experiences. Yes. Yeah. So that's really good. So anyway, I'll link to that. Help everybody. Maybe everybody can make it a, a, a 2024 resolution to get some good experiential concierge like travel stuff up on their website. Um, thanks for sharing, Kat. Now, yeah, are you ready for lightning round? 
Let's do it. All right, let's dive right in. All right, I got to get my questions out here. Okay, ready. (laughs) What was the one biggest mistake you made as a new campground owner? I tried to please everybody. And I say that with a grain of salt, right? It's important to give everyone a really good customer experience. But if someone is grumpy and mean, and that's their personality, that's just, you can't make them happy. So it's just about- Oh my gosh. Oh wait, that is such a good answer that we we should just do another episode on that. And we'll, (laughs) because it's not, it's like, I'm like, oh my gosh, already my lightning round is not a lightning round. (laughs) That that is a very good, very long topic for another time, but such a great answer. All right. What is your one favorite thing about owning a campground? I love our campers, Um, you know, for the one grumpy guy that we might get, majority of our campers are amazing. They've become really good friends, you know, especially our regulars that come to us year over year. I just, I I love them and they are the reason why I keep doing what I'm doing. What piece of advice would you give to someone about to purchase their first campground? Take a deep breath. (laughs) And go at your, go at your own pace. You know, don't, don't have people tell you, oh, you need to do this to your park and you should do this to your park. You will learn your park and you will learn what needs to get done and you will implement it. All right. Dynamic pricing or no? When you're a seasonal park in particular, I would say yes to dynamic pricing. You know, um, we, It is important to optimize and maybe draw people when you're not so busy. I think it is helpful with that. Would you ever build a campground? I would, because if I could make it exactly how I have it in my head, I feel like it would be almost a perfect park. I will never say perfect, but it would be nearly there. (laughs) We could get close. All right. Is there a review that you just simply can't shake off? Um, I, I think in my first couple of years, I would say yes to that question. But coming into my sixth season of ownership, it's pretty easy for me to shake them off now. Because like I mentioned, majority of my campers are great. And majority of my campers love our park and love us. So it's pretty easy to shake those bad ones off now. Okay. I love that for you. All right. What is your most controversial (laughs) campground rule? Uh, uh, You know, it probably is my speeding rule. We're really, really strict with it. Um, Good. (laughs) Yeah. And people get, oh, I was, I wasn't driving that fast. And I was like, well, you were, there's a big dust cloud behind you and people go all up in arms about it. I'm not sure why. I love it. If you are kicking up dirt, you're going too fast, right? Exactly. That's not controversial for me. That sounds right (laughs) along my line. I love it. Well, Kat, thank you so much for coming on Campground Confidential and talking to us about the experience of buying your sweet little campground in Brattleboro, Vermont. We love it there. Um, And we're so excited that you've taken it over and that you just have all of these plans to keep it as great of a campground as it ever was. 
Thank you so much for having me. And I hope to see you at our park again soon. I promise. (laughs) Kat, I absolutely promise you have my word. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Campground Confidential from Park Bender Review. If you are a campground owner, operator, manager, or employee, make sure to sign up at parkvendorreview.com to search for vendors, read and write reviews, and access our library of resources. If you are a vendor in the outdoor hospitality space, head over to parkvendorreview.com and claim your listing today. We'll be back with another episode of Campground Confidential, but until then, visit us at parkvendorreview.com where we make vendor decisions simple.